I have an owner, and he's Superman. My dog's the best, but he's not the greatest with other animals. Even when it's not Welcome to Now Playing Podcast Review of League of Super Pets. So, you are a dog. I am the Batman. Part of the Now Playing DC Comic Movie Series. Batman works alone, except for Robin and Alfred, Commissioner Gordon, my IT crew, whoever Morgan Freeman played. Hosted by Arnie. Aww, aren't you a little ray of sunshine? Stuart. You literally worship the ground that dude walks on. Technically, he flies. And Jacob. None of you are turtles! They explain so much! But be warned, this episode will contain detailed plot spoilers and mildly objectionable language. We'll be fine. We're never fine! Listener discretion is advised. Wake up, buddy. It is walk Today, we're discussing DC League of Super Pets, starring Dwayne Johnson, Kevin Hart, Kate McKinnon, John Krasinski, Vanessa Bayer, Natasha Leone, Diego Luna, Mark Marin, and Keanu Reeves, directed by Jared Stern. This is Arnie, co-host of Now Playing. Happy to be here with my League of Super Podcasters. That would be Stuart. And this is the co-host who always has to limit his potograph to one, or I'd be busy all day. Jacob. <laughs> okay, I assumed that this was just some sequel to The Secret Life of Pets. <laughs> it's a remake! Because Kevin Hart is involved in that yes. series, apparently, and I just figured this is a way to keep that fresh, but... Tell me, Jacob, is there a precedence in comics for Batman and Superman to have dogs? Yes, and you could think post-World War II era America where Superman, he becomes a family man. That's when you get Supergirl and you get all these characters around him. One, going back to his Superboy days, you found out that his dad, Jor-El, he was sending different animals around just to make sure that Rockwood would work once Superman Baby was put into it. <laughs> and one of those was Crypto, but it got off course, and it ended up landing later after Super Baby was a super boy in his teenage years. And so, yes, Crypto, the Wonder Dog, Supergirl. Man, I wish we had Supergirl in this because there's a horse that's in love with her that she rides around. <laughs> and, yeah, thanks to that, the 50s, where comics got very weird because they couldn't be controversial. You had Ace the Bat Hound. He wore a cow. Like, I was super upset that we didn't get to see Ace wearing a cow for most of this movie. But yeah, there is in that weird Silver Age where you couldn't have gangsters, you couldn't have real violence in your comics. So yeah, you have pets. Wow. Okay. I guess I shouldn't be too surprised. Comics can go there. But were they popular or was this just sort of something they dug up when trying to think about expanding the DC brand? Because that's what we've been told. DC unlike Marvel, is not trying to say it all matters. Some of it really doesn't matter, and that's what we're here to talk about today. <laughs> yeah, I will say the most popular pet is probably 
Glick, the space monkey with the Wonder Twins because of that Super Friends cartoon. Oh, yeah. Gleek. But Ace the Bat Hound, I don't think he really shows up in Batman comics anymore. Every once in a while, they'll have some weird story about crypto. But comics are too dark and trying to appeal to adults to have pets running around now. That's what I would guess. I knew about them because they were in cartoons when I was a kid. Remember they used to have Superman and Batman cartoons on during Bozo, and they would be like these shorts, these 10-15 minute shorts. If it wasn't the grand prize game, I wasn't watching Bozo. (laughs) Yeah, they definitely had ones that had crypto, and I know I knew about Ace the Bat Hound from somewhere, so it has to have appeared outside of a comic, as I've only read like three Batman comics. So those two made it into the mass consciousness. Yeah, if you've read only three Batman comics and they're all from, like, the last 40 years, you probably did not encounter Ace. But is there a growing pig that Wonder Woman owns and a nearsighted turtle for the Flash? They did do, again, it was directed for kids. It was, like, Tiny Titans, Teen Titans. These are all made for younger people. And they did have some Super Pet series where I think Wonder Woman had an octopus. And, yeah, there's a kangaroo, I think. (laughs) Yeah, unless they all just have different dogs in their Paw Patrol, as they'll reference here. I don't know, you give a cheetah, I don't know, to the Flash. I don't know what you give Wonder Woman, some exotic bird, I guess. Good luck teaming them up. She made more sense for a horse than Supergirl. And a horse would love Wonder Woman, too, I think. (laughs) But not as much as a pig, apparently. So, yes, already I think you hear the enthusiasm dribbling out of our mouths here. But I will just say this on the front end of things, is that actually some of the stronger entries or the surprise Trojan horse entries in the DC universe have been animated. Sorry, Mask of Phantasm, I don't mean you, but I did like Lego Batman, and I did like Teen Titans go to the movies. I do think if you're making something snarky and light, and these people that are involved with this, Jared Stern made Lego Batman, and some of these writers worked on Wreck-It Ralph and... Sonic 2, okay, that's not great, but my point is, it doesn't have to be awful, even though, looking at that poster, awful. (laughs) I don't even think I watched a trailer for this, to be honest. I heard, oh, we're doing this cartoon, I'm like, well, we don't really have to do this, right? But I guess that's what we do, because we're completists, and they put that DC on it. There you go. (laughs) It is just proof that if they stamp it with DC, we have to review it, no matter what. If it's in theaters, not just a Fathom event, too, but the thing that had me going for this movie was The Rock and Kevin Hart. I mean, those two are kind of like the Corey and Corey of the new millennium. Their voices, though, you're not getting them. Here's the thing. The Rock's super big and buff and Kevin Hart, he's a little guy. And so like in those Jumanji remakes, lots of jokes about that. It's funny. It's the physical comedy. I don't know about them just hearing their voice spitting jokes is going to work. I will say this is the first time that I'm seeing them together. And in fact, The first time I'm watching a Kevin Hart movie. Hobbs and Shaw, you've seen them before. Yeah, if you don't count that cameo on an airplane, and (laughs) I think Kevin Hart has cameoed in a few movies that I've seen, like, apparently he's in 40-Year-Old Virgin. I don't remember that. But the point is, there are big stars giving voice to these super animals, and it gives me a chance to catch up with some comedic actors I don't know. So, I guess that's a reason to be semi-quasi-excited. Well, I think semi-quasi-excited is the general feeling towards this movie, because it didn't do super at the box office. It opened at number one, but 
its number one was a hundred million below what Minions number one was this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when I looked at the box office as of this recording, it had only made thirty million, which is a pretty good opening day for some of these animated movies. I mean, yeah, don't these cost at least fifty, sixty, seventy million to make? CGI movies are expensive. Ninety for this one estimated. Okay, yeah, they got some big talent on the voices that I'm sure wasn't cheap. And you say you didn't see a trailer, but I think they promoted this a lot. I couldn't escape this trailer. We've done a lot of in-theater movies lately. This trailer's been before all of them. I've seen a lot of TV spots. This thing was put out there. So you got to add a good number of millions for marketing on this. Yeah, I tried to do of this movie a favor by saying, when can I go that will have the most people the most target audience reaction, Saturday morning. Saturday morning. (laughs) Yep, I'm like, this will be big, right? And there were three sets of families, six kids total in the whole theater. (laughs) You know, in a similar boat, I was like, when can I go? Not when can I go that has the most people, but simply when can I go to a theater? And that turned out to be a 5 p.m. showing on a Wednesday evening. Mm. Yes, One hour before we recorded, I walked out of the theater. (laughs) Oh, no, you've had no time for this complex story to digest and Mm. flow out through you. Well, fortunately, I at least didn't have to type up my notes because as the only person in the theater, I was able to take my notes in Google Docs. Yeah, I went a Tuesday evening, which is not optimal for families. And I think we had more than six people, though, Stuart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, I wanted specifically kids. Because, obviously, it's made for them. Well, yeah, it was mostly kids. Yeah, but there weren't really kids, and the laughter that I heard was mostly from the adults. I would say that the kids were quiet and relatively well-behaved. Maybe they were asleep. I don't know. But they weren't running up and down the aisles. They weren't reacting to the cute dogs on the screen. But I did hear some chuckles from Dad in the Green Lantern shirt, or what have you. So, yeah, we can talk about the reaction. Once we talk about this plot, Ernie, why don't you tell him what happens in League of Super Pets? When Superman came to Earth from Krypton, his spaceship had a stowaway, the puppy Crypto. This dog has all of Superman's powers, and now that Superman has grown up, Crypto, voiced by Dwayne Johnson, helps Superman fight crime. But now that Superman is in love with Lois Lane, Crypto feels jealous of Superman's now shared affections. But soon Crypto becomes Superman's only hope. Lex Luthor's guinea pig Lulu got superpowers from orange kryptonite. Lulu, voiced by Kate McKinnon, uses green kryptonite to capture the Man of Steel and takes away Crypto's powers by feeding him a bite of green kryptonite. She then plans to help Luthor escape from prison using an army of superpowered guinea pigs. To do this, Lulu first takes out the Justice League successfully. When Lulu got her powers, it also gave powers to four other nearby animals. Dog Ace, voiced by Kevin Hart, becomes invulnerable. Pig PB, voiced by Vanessa Bayer, can change her size. Turtle Merton, voiced by Natasha Leone, is super fast. And Squirrel Chip, voiced by Diego Luna, can shoot lightning. Crypto offers the animals a home on his farm in Smallville if the pack helps rescue soups. In their first encounter with the guinea pigs, the disorganized team loses badly. But when Lulu goes to break Lex out of prison, The Super Pets come for a rematch. Even Crypto comes, though he has no superpowers. Lulu still gets the upper hand and traps the Super Pets in cells and releases Lex. But Lex betrays Lulu, locking her in a cell so he can take sole credit for killing the entire Justice League. Lulu escapes, vowing revenge against Lex. 
Crypto poops out the kryptonite and gets his powers back, and frees the Super Pets while he goes to save Superman and the rest of the Justice League. Lulu sends the Justice League in a rocket, but also causes the crash of a newscopter carrying Lois Lane. Crypto chooses to save the woman his master loves, while the other Super Pets rescue the Justice League from the exploding rocket. Defeated, Lulu uses the orange kryptonite to become a kaiju. <laughs> the Super Pets team up with the Justice League, but they still can't stop the rampaging guinea pig. So Crypto flies into the sun to use his power, the Solar Paw Punch, which will kill both him and Lulu when used. But Invulnerable Ace jumps between Crypto and the fallout from the punch, saving the Kryptonian dog's life. And Lulu survived as well, but reverted back to a basic guinea pig. And Crypto becomes okay with sharing Superman with Lois, as Clark and Lois get engaged, and each Justice League member adopts a super pet, as credits roll. And as we start, I gotta ask, <laughs> Krypton is falling, disaster everywhere, and what is Jor-El concerned about? Don't let that puppy get in the escape pod with the kid. I get it. This is space travel. It's based on weight and lots of weird physics that I don't understand. But that dog, what's the life support system like? Can it support two lives? I get the concern. <laughs> <laughs> really? I thought it was very strange that they're working so hard to keep that dog on the planet to die. Well, everybody's going to die. I mean, he was just saving his son. But I am geeking out over how this is a total recreation of the Richard Donner movie. In like a what-if scenario. You've got the glowing white suits and the crystal planet, and I'm like, well, maybe that came from the comics. Maybe this isn't just a Richard Donner thing. But then you hear the John Williams score come in. I mean, the design of the spaceship with all those weird spikes, that's straight from the Donner film. And we've got Alfred Molina and Lena Headey here as Kellel's parents, so we've got some name actors. Instantly, this movie is impressing me with its attention to detail. Okay. I mean, I feel like this is made by sarcastic middle-aged men who grew up on Richard Donner's movie and have already kind of exploited these kinds of things in previous Robot Chicken and Lego Batman movie. I mean, if we're going to steal stuff, yeah, steal from Donner. That is the best cinematic Superman. Sorry, Snyder fans. Yeah, it makes sense that you would go there for an all-generations audience. I think everyone knows that movie, probably, would be my guess, or at least elements of it. Probably not the kids in your audience, but you don't need to know it, which is the best kind of reference. Right. And so, again, I'm, it's begging the question of, like, why didn't they make pods for themselves, rather than trying to trap people on the surface? Stuart, go back and watch the other Superman films if you want all that backstory. This is not concerned with that. It just assumes you know Krypton, it's going too fast to get everyone out of there, and we could just save the baby. Right. We have a baby whose tears are licked away by a cute dog, and then we just forget about all of this. It really is not relevant. We're in present-day Metropolis, and we're listening to Queen, You're My Best Friend, and Dog and Man of Steel are flying around fighting crime together. I wouldn't say that opening's unimportant, because... Otherwise, I literally would be sitting here for half the show going, how did a Kryptonian dog get off Krypton? I mean, seriously, you gotta answer that question of why there's a flying impervious dog. I just want to know why they thought it was a good idea. Before they go flying for the day, Krypto's got to wake up Superman by sitting on his face. I was just disgusted by that. <laughs> oh, that's my pug's finishing move. She does that all the time. Really? Oh, this is why I do not have a dog. <laughs> oh, God. And it typically works. I would never let that dog on my bed if it sat on my face. Oh, all the time. 
I could be on the couch anywhere. She owns me. But as they do go about their day, little homage to Action Comics number one, the cover of Superman lifting this car up and this guy running away in fear. They do it with Crypto stopping these bank robbers. And you see a guy like scream and clasp his face and run away. Little homage there. So the point is that this dog is as important, maybe more important than Superman, that Superman is wouldn't be who he is as a rescuer if he didn't have Crypto. Yeah, it's kind of like the Robin to his Batman. We see Superman do such iconic things as, oh no, a bridge went out for a train. Straight from the Donner film. <laughs> Superman can become a train track. Oh no, Superman's not tall enough for the big rip. Crypto will become the other half of the track. The Queen song is perfect for this, too. The best friend, showing them do everything together, showing that Superman isn't Superman without Crypto. Mm, again, I go a step beyond that. I've seen Batman fight crime without Robin. This implies that Superman couldn't do it without his dog. I mean, I'd rather have two Supermen than one. <laughs> He's super strong, so yeah, I guess. I didn't see it as a definitive statement on Superman's usefulness. I mean, he will set most of this movie in captivity while the dog has the adventure. I mean, I do think that's the emphasis. Yeah, which I would expect. I thought, yeah, you follow kind of that Teen Titans go to the movie storyline. Mm -hmm. I was actually surprised we got like headshots of Superman and the other superheroes. I thought we were going like Teen Titans Muppet Baby style where you just see their feet. That's how little promotional material I saw. And then we got John Krasinski here as Superman. I didn't really hear the celebrities in the voices. I had to look it up later. I do find it funny that John Krasinski has small roles now in both Marvel and DC in a very short time of each other with Doctor Strange in here. But to me, it just was a Superman. The only one who really made an impression on me, I'll get to in a little bit. But by and large, I couldn't tell who the voices were other than, of course, the two leads. And the conflict, the thing that gets set up here, I think is probably a good one. It's framed in terms of a dog that feels like they're going to be replaced now that Superman is going to get engaged to Lois Lane. But I imagine a lot of kids today, and as divorce rates have skyrocketed and families are blended, do have these concerns about what's going to happen to me if my parent marries someone else. That is not my biological parent. I think that this is a good conflict for crypto to have here when we have superman basically trying to get the dog gone so that he can give the ring yeah you say for kids but as a pet owner this is actually something people deal with if they are single and have a pet and then get a significant other there is pet jealousy there is pet aggression towards a significant other of a pet owner there is pet trazodone to help with pet separation anxiety do you have to go to the pet psychic to get this prescription? Not pet psychic, but pet doctor. You probably meant psychiatrist? <laughs> nope, I meant psychic because <laughs> I ain't given no pet antidepressants. <laughs> My dog's on antidepressants. It seems like further proof that we are living in an over-medicated world, but okay. <laughs> My dog has terrible separation anxiety. He cries so bad when we leave. <laughs> so yeah, I'm viewing this from a pet point of view and thinking this is a good pet story. I'm just confused because, yeah, one of the things Superman does to distract Crypto from Lois, he has this squeaky Bruce, and I'm like, but that's a Batman. He's just giving out that secret identity to everyone, calling it Squeaky Bruce. I think it's their name just between each other. It's like they both know his secret identity. 
Superman's not whispering it. Yeah. And the fact that he's, you know, there's that rivalry between the two. The fact that he's turned his frenemy into a squeak toy that his dog can chew up is part of the sarcastic humor I would expect from this writing and directing team. Like, that feels Teen Titans worthy. But I was shocked that I think this is the first cartoon I've ever seen that wasn't like Cool World or something to have a reference to premarital sex. Because Superman decides, I'm going to get Crypto a friend, goes to a pet shelter where Crypto is going to meet the other lead of this film, Kevin Hart, Ace. And Ace is going to be escaping the pet shelter and pointing out to Crypto, you're in second place. And he's like, where do you sleep? Oh, in Superman's bed. Unless Lois stays over. I'm like, Lois is staying over? I was kind of surprised by that. (laughs) I don't know little kids would get it, but I was, yeah, I was still surprised at that. Because look, this is for very small children. Mm, Here's my reset. These movies don't have to be for very small children. This movie is. I would say that Pixar has set a standard by which we can understand that middle-aged anxieties can be handled very well dramatically in an animated film. Yeah, they did a whole animated film apparently about the menstrual cycle. Yeah, I mean, again, I would expect this. There's nothing in this movie that's shockingly adult. You guys are being a little bit over by saying that this is a big part of the movie. But yes, Lois and Clark are having an adult relationship, and it's about to be consummated by a wedding ring, and that's got Crypto freaking out. But let's talk about tail huggers. I have never heard of a pet adoption. Okay, maybe a turtle? Sure. Uh, guinea pig? Yep. Cats, dogs, for sure. But pigs? And squirrels? This is a stretch. Yeah, I think some of these, especially in big cities, are illegal to own. I know that my wife wanted a miniature pig. She found them very cute. I wisely, in my mind, put a kibosh on that. But one of the ways I easily put a kibosh on that is Look, it's illegal for us to own one. And I can imagine in a big city like Metropolis, that wouldn't be too smiled upon. I don't understand what kind of pet shelter this is. The only pet that seems to get adopted is if you're a young kitten. Ace has been there for years. We're going to find out Ace's sad backstory in a bit. He was taken there while still a puppy, and then we see him morph into a big dog while in that shelter. This place makes almost as much sense as the lab in which Dinklage was doing his experimentation last week. It's just a weird way to get animals together. Well, that's not even my concern. Whatever. It's a silly cartoon. We'll have squirrels and pigs laying together. I don't like the character designs. These pets, I understand why they're still locked up in this shelter. Like, they are not cute. They're kind of ugly. I don't like the overall design of the animation here. I know that's a subjective thing, but... I just found it kind of off-putting. Yeah, I'll second that. I do feel, again, if my reference is Pixar, they do much better anytime they made any animal, really. They find a way to personify it, to anthropomorphize it in a way that you will connect. And here, maybe it is the fact that I don't want to relate to squirrels and pigs and turtles, but it is a little bit of a struggle here at the beginning to realize that Justice League of Animal Kingdom is going to be this crew. I don't know if either of you have seen The Secret Life of Pets. I did yep. find myself accidentally calling this The Secret Life of Super Pets a number of times. 
and I feel like the animation styles are somewhat similar when it comes to dog design. The dogs are fine in this. I don't really have a problem with Ace or Crypto. Nope, and I'll agree with you. I do find the squirrel looks like a total scrat ripoff from Ice Age more than a real squirrel. Yes! Oh, it's driving me crazy. And the pig, especially when it gets big, it's a size-changing pig. Its forehead is so weird. I found myself very confused by the dimensions. Like, what is cheek? What is nose? Where is mouth? Yes. Which part is the tasty bacon? I just couldn't keep track on that pig. I would be even simpler with it and just saying, I don't understand the selection of these as your Justice League. I just assumed we wouldn't have to justify all of this. We would just live in a world where animals were in charge and there was a Justice League of animals. The fact that they have to have this whole adoption agency and this origin story and all of that feels... Particularly when we realize that, help me out on this one, Ace has been lying to the others about an animal farm upstate where they're all going to live happily ever after that is a reference to George Orwell? I don't get it. Yes, that was the one laugh this movie got from me. Animal farm, that sounds ominous. I'm like, ah, I like a good George Orwell joke. I didn't think it was that. I mean, haven't you ever heard the phrase... This literally happened to me as a kid. Yes. Your dog gets taken away from you, and you're told that they're going to a big farm where they have lots of room to run and other animals to play with. This is a pat lie. So many parents tell their children, including my parents telling me, to the point that saying your dog is going to go off to a farm is a kind way of saying your dog is freaking dead. And so I took this lie as him believing the kind of lie like, parents tell their children i totally understand that's where he's getting it from but when pb mentions animal form that's ominous yeah that's a straight up george orwell reference and ace is the one that's lying that's what is bizarre about it the ace knows it's not true but for some reason believes the other ones need to know in some ways he has this sort of moral conscience in that he understands better than the others their neurosis and is i don't know looking out for them i don't know the whole thing I don't like it. Don't have him in this adoption agency. Don't do it this way. That is what's so bizarre is I think I assumed the same thing you did, Stuart, that we were just going to get a DC League of Super Pets and they were just going to be flying around doing super stuff. Right. I didn't know we we're going to get an origin story for something that doesn't even exist. I was so shocked. I'm like, where is Ace's Cal? Why is he not with Batman already? But no, we are getting an origin story for a property that there's no comics for. There's no history for. I'm embarrassed to say... Arnie, I don't know where you were at on this. I had no expectation that Ace was going to be Batman's dog. It's obvious in retrospect that they have the similar backstory. They'd make that a funny joke at the end that their life story, their monologue is identical. But I did not have him earmarked for being adopted by Batman. I didn't think Batman was going to be in this. So I guess at this point, I wasn't projecting where the animals were going to find homes. I didn't realize that Batman's dog was not just named Bat-Dog coming in. And so since I was pretty sure there wasn't a pig, a squirrel, and a turtle, (laughs) I thought it was strange. Why didn't you include Bat-Dog in this? So it was a surprise to me the way it played out at the end, because I don't know him as Ace the Bat-Dog. I'm just not that versed that it was a nice shock to me. But this is also our introduction to Dwayne, The Rock Johnson, and Kevin Hart cutting up together because Ace has escaped, and I don't know exactly where he's going. 
particularly if he's loyal to the other people he's abandoning. But they make some humor about the fact that crypto is going to freeze him in place. It's another example of crypto being told that Superman does not love you as much as you think he does. Ah, no, not crypto. Bark Kent. Yeah. I found it funny. (laughs) All right, let's ask that question. How funny is this movie? How often did you laugh? I had two laughs. Animal Farm, that was it. I laughed fairly regularly, but not at a lot of the jokes that were told so much as at some of the references that were made. I don't even find there's a lot of references in this. Oh, there's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like there was tons of jokes about Henry Cavill's mustache and what have you. Yeah, okay. There's a lot that's meant to target the DC fan. And I did hear those titters from, again, I heard the adults laughing. I never heard a kid laugh, ever. I heard a kid say something like, oh, blah, blah. You know how kids will just suddenly start talking about (laughs) something happening on screen. But never a laugh. Yeah, my laughs at the dog dialogue, and especially the more the other animals were involved, Few and far between. Mm-hmm. This is not Kevin Hart or The Rock's best gig. Let's face it, I like these two actors, but when I looked up their filmography, it's not like they make great movies. I couldn't make it through the first Jumanji. I turned it off halfway through. Central Intelligence, I made it through, but that is not a good movie. That is really bad. <laughs> That's bad. <laughs> and so here... I think they have good rapport. I think they have good chemistry. I'm not sure they have great movies. Here's the thing. I'm sure a good portion of the budget went to paying off some of these voice actors. Unneeded. You could have just got generic people. I don't feel like Dwayne Johnson and Kevin Hart brought anything special to this role. Well, since we're playing that game, it seems obvious, and particularly in retrospect, this didn't need to be on the big screen, right? Everything about this feels very small. I don't know why it was. Well, because these things usually kill. If it was made for HBO Max, we wouldn't be talking about it because it never would have come out. It'd be on the shelf with Batgirl. Be that as it may, I feel like there's a place for it. I'm not trying to dig this movie, but it does feel like you don't have the kid-friendly, whatever that is, minions, whatever the kids go to see, the big screen stuff. This doesn't have that. It feels too small to work. and certainly. In appealing to the adults, it's struggling. I think it's right there with Teen Titans. I mean, I don't know that Teen Titans needed to go to the movies either. This feels about as essential as Teen Titans. Teen Titans was a lot funnier. Yeah, Teen Titans had a manic energy that I am not feeling in this. I want to go to sleep. Teen Titans made a risk by taking a TV cartoon and putting it on the big screen. I don't know if it was worthwhile or not. They didn't make another one. But yes, it had an established energy that it used on the big screen, whereas this feels kind of limp. And I'm not trying to say the movie's bad, I'm just trying to say that I can feel the disengagement with the few people that are in the audience, with the general, here are our two stars trying to cut it up. You can just kind of feel this is a small affair. I think The Rock himself is pure big screen, but... I don't understand what makes the differentiator when it comes to kids' entertainment anyway. I'm just wondering, is this going to be a good DC film? I am shocked how much of it in the beginning doesn't involve the dog when we get Lex Luthor's plot here, that he's pulling down a orange kryptonite asteroid from space. Is there orange kryptonite, Jacob? Oh, there is every color of the rainbow. I did think 
I didn't laugh, but I'm like, oh, that's a pretty good deep cut when they're like, black kryptonite does this, yellow kryptonite does that. Does purple kryptonite give you vivid dreams? Maybe. I didn't look up what each color does, but that is a known thing. (laughs) There are so many different colors of kryptonite, and they each have their own powers. And of course, Lex, if you know anything about him, it is the fact that he has felt small in the shadow of Superman, and so what he thinks he's getting is something to give him power, something that will make him as strong as the Man of Steel. He's tested it on a guinea pig that is among the creatures in the Tailhuggers Adoption Agency, but he doesn't know it will only work on animals. So it's all a disappointment here when, yeah, we have the entire Justice League bust out trying to stop this meteorite. It's a hot potato all around the city, and it ends up with Lex not having the strength and getting punched out by Batman, who doesn't even have superpowers. Again, this is where I'm surprised that we get the entire Justice League showing up. And it's weird some of the versions they pick, like Aquaman from the 90s with his missing hand and a spear hook there instead. Yeah, but he definitely had a modern Aquaman hairstyle and vibe, right? Oh, it felt like, yeah, very Jason Momoa. Yeah, a combo. I don't know this cyborg design. It's a little more colorful and tricked out than I've ever seen him. And I also didn't know he worked tech support. (laughs) I was distracted by his half afro that he had, which maybe that was a throwback to the 70s version. I'd have to look up that one. And then Green Lantern shows up and it's a woman. I had no idea who this was. Jessica Cruz, I guess a a recent Green Lantern who got a ring from Earth 3. That's a whole thing. I mean, they make a joke about Earth 1, 2, and 3 when calling the cops. But yeah, I was surprised with, I don't know. Does it matter? Does it not matter? Because this is DC League of Super Pets that no one's going to see. I was surprised that they got Jamila Jamil as Wonder Woman. I know her. The Good Place is a really underrated sitcom that has a lot of heart to it. I highly recommend it. And she was in that. She's going to be Titania in She-Hulk. I found it interesting that they race-swapped Wonder Woman a little bit. But my favorite in this whole movie is Keanu Reeves' Batman. I could hear the Keanu in the voice. When he said superpowers are overrated and pounded Lex, I did laugh. He's going to get the best joke of the movie in my mind later on. Yeah, I'm just resistant because there's going to be people that want to just be different and go, you know who the best Batman is? Keanu Reeves. No, he's not. I'm stopping that now, internet. (laughs) Shut it down. Delete the memes. Keanu's fine in this. I didn't realize it was him. I'll say that. I think not dissimilar from Lego Batman. I think the crankiness is on par. Will Arnett's version. I did laugh at the end of this, though, when he just goes, I miss my parents. Yeah, while he's watching (laughs) Superman and the dog. The dog is licking him all over, and that's what kind of makes the moment awkward. And that's the thing, though. You bring up Will Arnett's Lego Batman. Again, manic energy to this whole film. So little energy. It's hard for me to ever get into it. Like, Will Arnett, he's got a whole version of Batman in his head. The way he likes to lounge around, he's always lonely. Like, all these jokes, just rapid fire here. I wish anything was rapid fire. I'll agree with that. It seems a little too serious of a superhero movie. It is focusing way too much on the logic and the setup, and a lot of setup. We have to set up the pet shelter. We have to set up Lex's plot. We have to set up Orange Kryptonite. A third of this film is set up. (laughs) Yeah, and that's normal for an adult film, but if you're going for something a little bit more fast-paced to entertain children, this is a slow build. 
It is. I agree with that. There's also the whole plot with Lulu, who we kind of skipped over, but she was the guinea pig of Lex, deluded into thinking they were partners when he was just treating her like a guinea pig. So she has spent all of this time in the cage coming up with a plan to lasso that orange kryptonite as it's being thrown back out into space. She'll get a piece, knowing full well that it will give her telekinetic powers and she can launch a jailbreak. It will only give powers to animals. That was Lex's undoing, that somehow this naked guinea pig, because the blue kryptonite made her lose all her fur, voiced by Kate McKinnon. I know that I'm not always a fan of Kate McKinnon, but she was the best Ghostbuster in 2016, and I think she does a good... Guinea pig? (laughs) Guinea pig here. I keep wanting to call her a hamster, but she keeps getting pissed off every time she gets called a hamster. Oh, she's got a whole monologue how she's not a hamster. (laughs) Yeah, you think that's hilarious. I just want to know, what is the line between Homo sapien and other animals? Will a chimp get powers? For like, are they too close to us? I just don't understand how you draw the line at animals, because we're an animal. Humans are animals, but okay, it's a cartoon. Yeah, right. I don't know that people want to get into a spiritual debate over this but yes i get it so the joke is that this unloved creature is going to work so hard to get back to lex in the same way that crypto is thinking that he is the one and only for superman and finding out on tv night when they usually stay home and watch british baking shows that he's going to go off and propose to lois is it too self-referential to have R.E.M., Clark Kent's listening to I Am Superman? I mean, for, yeah, the Gen Xers in there. The only ones that would get it. I think sometimes it is that movie. And many times it's not. And, again, Crypto acts like a dog here. Do dogs like cheese? Oh my god, yes, dogs like cheese. That's what you give dogs pills in, period. If you have to give a dog a pill, you put it in cheese. <laughs> or a sliver of kryptonite. <laughs> But the riskiest joke happens here, right before all of this happens, right before Lulu strikes and takes the powers away of both of them, we see that this dog, furious that it's being sidelined, his bro from Metropo is blowing him off. He has this fantasy that I didn't realize was a fantasy for a second of answering the door and flinging Lois into the ocean. Was that not kind of like a shock moment for you? Lois and Clark bang in, no problem for you, but this fantasy, I don't know, this got the biggest laugh out of my wife. She cracked up at this for some reason. Really? Yeah. It was in the trailer, so I didn't really think about it at all. Really? They promote this as if the dog is going to hurt Lois. Well, no, but then they show in the trailer that it's just a fantasy the dog is having. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, because you don't realize it in the moment, and so I was like, hmm, it's kind of violent. I don't know. <laughs> but at any rate, yes. It sets up the idea that Crypto now has been called a bad dog, will spend all of Act 2, which is really starting late here. I think we're 40 minutes into this movie, and now he's going to try to be a good dog by rescuing Superman, because Lulu has speared him with green kryptonite and taken him away. And one of the other funny jokes that I like is when, and it was spoiled in the trailer, but I still found it amusing in the film, is Lulu is giving her villain monologue to Clark Kent, Superman there. And then we just cut to Clark's point of view and the guinea pig is just squeaking and has no idea what's going on. We're going to see these animals talk to each other throughout the movie and speaking English, but I do enjoy it when they cut to the outside point of view and they're just making animal noises. I liked it because it was just helpful to know if humans could understand them or not because they're talking, but 
yeah, early on they cut and Crypto's just barking and then they do this squeaky thing with the guinea pig. So I liked it just on a logistical standpoint because I want to know how much humans can understand them. Did you like when they cut away to why Crypto can't hear? It's because he's blasting Taylor Swift's bad blood and downing cartons of Cryer's ice cream. No. Eh, (laughs) a little labored, right? Can we all agree, like, a lot of this humor feels low boil? Again, this was falling into place. This was also in the trailer. So in my own mental map, I knew what he was going to be crying about. I knew he was going to be crying about Superman's affection. And so it was just neither funny nor funny to me. It was, hmm, there's this scene. Did you know he'd be hit by a car? I didn't. That was a shock. Yeah, you talked about that in Underdog. (laughs) You thought it was horrifying. Yeah, you were so shocked in Underdog, and he had superpowers then. This is a dog falling to the ground from the top floor penthouse without superpowers and then being run over. Like, literally limping with a black eye when he finally shows up with the others. This one shocked me. I think I felt like Arnie did during Underdog, because I'm like, ooh, that's kind of rough. It is a little rough. No pun intended, I guess. No, no pun intended. But I'll tell you a joke that really doesn't work. I like Keith David, but Dog L, why we have to have this whole bit of his collar projecting like Brando in the first Donner movie, a hologram of the dog left on Krypton. Hey, it's helping me get some of the Keith David fix that Nope robbed me of. I was happy to see (laughs) Keith David get a little bit more. You think this is a better gig for Keith David (laughs) playing the father of the dog in Super Pets is better than Nup. In replaying this movie as I talk through it with you guys, I did laugh out loud. I'm alone in a theater laughing about needing a fast forward button to skip the introduction of the I have placed all of my memories into that collar. Then later on when they're fast forwarding or chapter skipping through them, and you get the one of Dog L licking his parts. It's kind of like, okay. I mean, this is already an oddly slowly paced cartoon for me. It is. And this slows it down. Again, if this had the manic energy of most kids' entertainment, joke after joke after joke, I wouldn't mind this 15-second diversion of Dog L jokes, but it kind of just stands out. I'm like, well, can we just move along? Because we're taking a long time to get where we should be. He's supposed to be dispensing the lesson, and I honestly don't get it. I guess I'm just... Not as smart as a dog, but when he says the problem is you, I still to this moment don't understand why. Because he doesn't love unconditionally. And that's what we're supposed to be told dogs do is love unconditionally. His love is conditional upon getting all of Superman's attention, where the dog should allow room for other humans and other beings in their master's life. Okay, thank you for clarifying. I feel rewarded all right i'll roll over and be nicer to this movie all right so they all get together for an awkward reason that ace got them out of the adoption fire when lulu left the place burning and crypto has limped away from being run over and now they've cut this deal where i'll let you keep going with this animal farm lie with the promise that you can live on my smallville farm if you help rescue superman Yeah, because, again, Crypto has that piece of kryptonite in his stomach that we're told we have to wait for him to pass. We're waiting for a dog to take shit in this film. (laughs) I mean, that's all over the place. Ace spends a whole bit peeing out two toilets in a bidet. Yeah, I was surprised. I thought Underdog was going to be the one with cheap, crude humor. And nope, it's this film. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of that kind of licking your balls kind of 
I mean, I guess you should expect some of it. I mean, if you're making a movie about dogs, this is a big part of their life. But I just, I don't know. I'll go to Arnie. You seem to be the one enjoying it the most. You find that this is good enough. Yeah, I actually did think of you guys while watching this movie because it did have the dirty humor. And I wondered how many of these types of jokes Jacob had written down. And if you were making little hash marks every time one was said. I didn't. I thought this was going to be much more highbrow than underdog. And just, again, you have guys from the Lego movies. Now, maybe I got to go back and watch those. Maybe they have a lot of fart jokes. But I just associated it with sharper humor. I didn't think we're going to get this level. Agreed. Teen Titans Go and Lego Batman are punkier and more juvenile than this movie in some ways. But this movie is less sophisticated, ultimately, in the end. I feel like this movie is too tamped down to be as jocular as it needs to be, or it sometimes attempts to be. Yeah, it rides a fine line, and not very successfully, of trying to be a serious superhero film with a serious origin story and a serious villain. Right. And be the secret life of pets and aimed at young kids. Mm-hmm. And I'll say that it's not putting its chocolate in its peanut butter. It's more like putting its chocolate in its soy sauce, which to me it would be a bad combination. But now that I say it, I'm sure somebody likes it. <laughs> I mean, I like salt, so this wouldn't be the worst thing. But you're talking to someone that put soy sauce on my breakfast cereal. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, that is exactly the combination that I feel this movie is. This movie is soy sauce on breakfast cereal. <laughs> <laughs> which at one point in my life I ate, but not anymore. Anyway. So we're about halfway through this movie, and I'm feeling like I'm not hating it, and I'm not loving it. It isn't quite good enough at either being cute or being a superhero movie to totally engage. I'm engaged. It is keeping my interest. I'm not loving it. I'm realizing at this point that by the bar you guys set for me, hey, this is better than Underdog, and I've laughed more than Underdog, so I'm obviously... Midway through the movie, I know this is a green arrow unless it all goes to shit. But <laughs> I mean, it does. That's how the day is saved, by taking a shit. Yeah, right. There's one thing that really bothered me, and I hate it when movies do this. What is with getting the turtle to drop shit and and bleep it? And I mean, I get it. Kids may find that naughty, but I find it very frustrating when movies intentionally do that, like pixelate scenes, because it would be an NC-17 if you see it, so rather than cut around something, we're just going to throw pixels on there like it's an episode of Cops. And so the bleeping turtle, it actually pissed me off. I was angry. I get it. It's Natasha Leone, And so, yeah, that's probably how she really talks, but I hated this turtle. Cut the whole animal out of this film. I actually like Natasha Leone. I watched Russian Doll, her show. No, I like her, yeah. Yeah. So she was the one voice that I could pick out. I guess I knew Kevin Hart. But it even took me a while to pick out The Rock. I couldn't remember who the dog was going to be. <laughs> but her, almost instantly, she talks like this throughout that show. And I imagine the swearing wasn't even scripted, and they just decided she's too good. We'll just bleep it rather than have her do a clean take. Or at least that's how it feels to me. That's what I would kind of guess. I think the squirrel is my least favorite animal, but the turtle is the one that feels least integrated with the plot. It's like the super speed never became that important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and that the jokes of the turtle hitting on things all the time, like this horny 
I mean, it's supposed to be really old, right? Like this horny 90-year-old turtle. I mean, they live a long time. They do. Yeah, they'll outlive us. And it's got bad eyesight. So that's the joke of that. Even though it can go fast, doesn't know where it's going. It ends up in meadows far away from the battle once it comes down to the showdown between Lulu and her guinea pigs and the super pets. Yeah, let's talk about, you don't understand its powers or any of that. Like, why does a squirrel get, going with the DC reference, static shock powers? Why does he shoot electricity, but his whole thing is he needs to feel safe? What is the connection between safeness and electricity? And the pig, she's got to love herself. I don't know, maybe that no matter what size you are, you got to love yourself. I see that there. I think there's a body image lesson Somewhere in there, and the fact that she's going to admire Wonder Woman, yeah, who is objectified. I don't know. Wonder Woman and a pig, I'll never understand. I'll never <laughs> understand why they did it. I think it's about that. I think it's about trying to explore female body issues, but it just, I don't know what this is. It's my least favorite part of the movie. I will say the pig part, I just don't get. I don't like any of these supporting non-dog animals, just to be <laughs> honest. I did laugh one time at Vanessa Bayer's bit when she is naming the animals and there's like Voltarine and Drulo and taking other superhero names, Baveman. I didn't get La Feche, but I don't speak French. Oh, when they're still trying to find their identity. Yeah, she's a fangirl, essentially. That much I understand. She has the love for superheroes already. And she wants so bad to have an origin story now. And she's the one kind of pushing them into this conflict that they're not ready for. I mean, if the guinea pigs have already taken out Batman and the Justice League, what hope does this crew have? There was one joke they made that made me kind of wince is when the pig is like, this is our training montage. They're the second movie to do that this summer. I didn't see Pause of Fury, The Legend of Hank, but I saw that trailer about 200 times because it's before every movie for like a year. And Michael Sarah had that same, this is my training montage joke. I mean, ever since South Park, we need a montage. It's all cliched. And this one's full of them. And what's weird too, A, is Kevin Hart, I think he's what, second build in this or something, but... We haven't talked a whole lot about him. He gets his powers, and he's basically just another crypto. Maybe he can't fly, but super strong. But they do give him, like, this is, if I feel anything in this film, it's during his backstory that we get around this time about he was a member of a family, and he bit a girl, a little baby, to save her from falling down the stairs. And, of course, the owners just thought he bit her, and so they had to put him in the pound. I'm like, okay. Yeah, you got a pretty, as far as what a dog would do and making it relatable, I thought that was pretty effective. It's the biggest compliment I could give this film. Really? Because I'm going to say I was totally not expecting this Pixar moment that comes out of nowhere. But they go for it, yes. For the most part, this is a sarcastic superhero with animals medley. But they really did try to go for something here when all of a sudden Crypto and Ace are staring into the sunset. And talking about, it's that song, that Count On Me song, like, they try too hard. They're not skilled at it, is the problem. They try to have that moment where you're, like, kind of catching yourself going, oh, I'm crying, like you do in a Toy Story movie, but it doesn't land. No, I didn't cry, but I recognized at least they're going for something. At least this has some kind of flavor at this point. I wasn't proud of myself, but I felt myself well up. It wasn't, like, up where I have to pause the movie and <laughs> sob uncontrollably. But tears did go down my face when this dog saved this little baby's life 
And understandably, the parents didn't realize how bad parents they are. They are terrible parents. They are not watching their toddler who's about to walk down a flight of stairs. There's no baby gate at the top of those stairs. DCFS needs to be called on these parents, <laughs> but instead the dog who saved the baby's life is taken to the pound. I am sorry. These are terrible people. And I felt so bad for Ace. And then the fact that Ace was a puppy and you see Ace has spent years locked in that tiny crate. It's not even a kennel run. It's a tiny crate. Oh, all right. This scene might have got me. Okay, we know who the dog person is. <laughs> I thought I was a dog person. I thought this scene was a failure. I thought strategically, you really surprised me that you thought you could go for it. But to me, it was a belly flop. I was kind of appalled that they thought they had this kind of movie when they had been something else up until that moment. Yeah, I thought that that worked very well. And it makes Ace the only animal I truly like in this movie. Because Crypto... He's like the preppy. He's got a gifted life. He's rich. He's got all the powers. He's got the looks. He's signing autographs. Ace has an uphill climb. And so Ace is the dog I end up rooting for and really feel should be a bigger part of this film. He's really a strong supporting but still supporting character. And then, yeah, the rest of these animals, as far as the good Super Pets team, We've already said, I could do without them, but Ace here wins my heart. Yeah, Ace is the Batman of this league of super pets, and Batman's always cooler than Superman. Yeah, I want more Ace doing Batman-type stuff. Okay, didn't care, I'll be honest. I do wish they were all dogs, and maybe that's just my dog bias. You really wanted Paw Patrol, a joke they make. I really did. I just wanted it to be dogs. <laughs> the fact that I had to split my affections for other animals, no. I had that same thought too, though, Stuart. I'm like, this would be easier with all dogs. Again, those are the only good animation designs in this are the dogs. I love squirrels. I owned a squirrel. I hate the squirrel in this thing. Make them dogs. And they have the obvious enemy in the cute little kitten. The thing that's always the first to get adopted on its first day. Whiskers was saved from the adoption agency fire. And now it's working for Lulu and shooting down the transparent jet of Wonder Woman when these super pets are trying to get to the climax. Transparent jet. <laughs> See, I don't think those jokes are that great. No, I don't. I hear Arnie snickering, and I heard people in the audience, the adults, snickering, but to me, that stuff is too comic book-oriented for me, I guess. And when we get to Whiskers, again, I'm kind of shocked. It becomes very violent. She can do some weird body horror to shoot out grenades and missiles. But this feels like the manic energy this film has needed the entire time. Yeah. Again, it feels out of place because it's not that kind of film, but I wish it was. Whiskers scene is my favorite scene. If for the strange references that she starts singing, one, two, I'm coming for you. I'm like, you're doing Nightmare on Elm Street? <laughs> and then Super Pets come out to play. I'm like, you're doing the Warriors? Yeah, again, this is where the Lego writers finally showed up. Yeah, look at the pedigree of the people writing it. I also point out that the composer did score the Elm Street reboot, so there's reasons for them to be thinking about that. And yeah, that hairballs are grenades, and that the whiskers fire off like missiles, and it's got this cute little voice, but got hate in its heart. I think that this was, yeah, a good foil for these super pets, and unfortunately, they got to squeeze in here 
the way Ace dispenses it too, you can just see him checking off boxes about like, be your own woman, get out of your head. The way that he's trying to inspire the team so they can all work together and put this cat out of business is about as good as Underdog, frankly. It's checking boxes. I mean, this whole film, yeah, is about as creative as Underdog. It's so cliche. We're going to get the setup about this super punch where you fly around the sun early on. Well, I know how the day is going to be saved in this. So clumsy the way that was introduced. For no reason, all of a sudden, the pig is talking about that punch. Nobody was talking about that punch. (laughs) What was that about? Yeah, and I did sort of chuckle just because it's an out-of-date reference. When the pig blows up too big inside the car and the turtle starts hitting on the Garfield that's stuck to the window. Okay, no kid knows that joke. Yeah, the Garfield suction cup on the windows. Yeah, I mean, again, if you had a hundred of these every minute, you would have Teen Titans Go. You would have Lego Batman. The fact that this movie does one, it just feels like this one is just almost by design. This one is trying to be a little bit more mainstream is that the word i'm looking for a little bit more straight and narrow but teen titans and those lego movies are mainstream so i don't think that's the right term but you know what i mean that there's something punky and they're children's cartoons i feel like a lot of children's cartoons go that way this feels for very young children this feels like paw patrol sometimes i think that they really pick up the pace of the jokes Here in the middle, though, I think that the origin story, there were too few, but here they do start throwing a lot of stuff at us. When they're having the fight with the guinea pigs, there's so many jokes in the background, I couldn't catch them all. I'm sure if I rewatched this on video that I would find every single billboard in the background was a joke, but they have like something that looks like a billboard for cats, but it was like Catwoman. But what is the joke that? They're both cats. That Catwoman's on Broadway. I agree. I don't think that that's clever. I think the reason why you don't pick up on those things is because they're not really that great jokes. It doesn't have the level of writing that I would expect from the punky version of this. It feels more like a sedate, prepubescent cartoon. There was one joke that I thought was a little bit subversive. Did you notice that the TV network they keep cutting to is DPNN? They have a moment where it's in the background after the fight with the super pets and the guinea pigs for the first time. And I thought it said, damn, that escalated quickly. And it's because DPNN looks a lot like damn. And they put that escalated quickly. Oh, it's kind of like when they wanted to put the F word in comics, they put flick. Because when you put that in all capitals and the printing the way it was back in the day, it would bleed. The L and the I would look like a U. Mm hmm. And I'm chuckling when Aquaman has to eat like a goldfish because they start putting the flakes in the water. I'm just finding my jollies where I can get them. It's not still the speed of Lego Batman. Understand, Lego Batman is like possibly my favorite Batman film. So we're talking a huge tier up there. Teen Titans must literally be forgettable because I barely remember it. But here... They're starting to do some good stuff that I like, Mm -hmm. and this is where I get my favorite Keanu joke, when all the Justice League is discussing having pets as a kid, and you get Keanu Reeves saying, I'm not really an animal guy. I mean, come on, this is John Wick, I'm not really an animal guy. Well, his name is Batman, bats are animals, I thought that's what the joke was. I thought it was a meta John Wick reference, but then he does start going into this huge 
monologue about the bats and things, which was also amusing. Again, Keanu's my favorite human in this. One of the two laughs I had was when he was insisting that Batman works alone, except for Robin, Alfred, Commissioner Gordon, and whoever Morgan Freeman played. Because it's like, (laughs) oh yeah, that's right. Lucius, yes. Whatever that was, yes. (laughs) But am I wrong in saying that that could have been bits written for Lego Batman 2? It feels like that characterization is the same, and they just kind of plugged him into this movie because they could see this movie needed that help and that energy. I agree with that. I will just state straight out that this would probably be a strong recommend if it was all about Ace and Batman. (laughs) Not because I like those characters better in DC, but because I'm liking those characters better in this movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Whiskers was fine, but again, it's paired with this really obnoxious time to learn your life lessons in an instant, and now the pig can control her size, and the raccoon is not afraid to use his lightning, and just real pandering, real badly done there. And this is where I guess we get another life lesson as Lex is able to take all those super pets and throw them in jail. He also punishes Lulu. He does not have a connection and she gets mistreated by him once again. I guess we're going to get that opposite view of how Superman and Crypto get along. Yeah, in the end, not surprisingly, yes, the guinea pig is just a guinea pig to Lex. And he has some other assistant. Is there some comic book reference for this character, Mercy? Yeah, Mercy Graves. She's just a bad guy that that does bad things in DC. I have no idea who Mercy Graves is. I kept writing purple-haired woman in my notes. I didn't even catch her name in here. It didn't feel significant to me, but I figured, Jacob, you would educate us, and you have. I mean, she's not a major thing. Is she a newer character? Because a lot of these lesser characters I'd feel like I would know from at least the animated series in the 90s. Yeah, she's a newer character. At any rate, yes. Lulu doesn't spend too much time because she has these guinea pigs that come and rescue her. Oh, that say Dish Queen, how to go with Lex. Oh, hated it, hated it. (laughs) I wasn't a huge fan of those two guinea pigs, the fire and ice one. You know, there's so many other guinea pigs. I actually laughed out loud at the one that just shoots rainbows and doesn't hurt anybody. And it's this big scene, and you're like, what's the rainbow going to do? Nothing. And then there was one who's like a big muscle person. But they did get Ben Schwartz, who's an actor I like, to do one of these voices. Straight from the set of Sonic. Yeah, the actor you like? You mean the voice of Sonic? What else has he done? Well, I primarily know him from Parks and Rec. Okay. And then I don't really think I know Thomas Middleditch. Middle Ditch was the star of Silicon Valley, which I liked. But this is where, again, I feel like we have something comparable to the climax of Underdog, where out of nowhere, there's 28 minutes left, and then the Justice League dies. There is a bomb. It's just going to blow them all up. Lulu has it all planned out. And a rocket for some reason. Not just a bomb, but a bomb and a rocket. (laughs) Yeah, they have to shoot him into space, and then it will blow up when he gets to space for some reason. I guess to give everyone more time. Right. They try to turn it into a joke that billionaires have rockets. You know, Elon Musk, Richard Branson. Not a joke. They're destroying the Earth. Yeah. But anyway, yes, I agree. Again, it's not even that these aren't working. It's that you needed 9,000 more jokes to throw in here to have the levity that they're going for. It just feels underpopulated with energy. The movie's too serious for us not to ask why questions, where if it were just a satire, with mile-a-minute joking referencing, then I think we would just set back and have a good time. 
this movie is trying to play it too serious. We're actually supposed to care about this plot too much for us just to be laughing and not paying attention. Yeah, I'll agree with that. With the whole rocket thing, I found myself with a lot of questions. And yes, I found myself thinking about Underdog and that unmotivated (laughs) ending with mind control as well. Yeah, I find myself tuning out because I just, I'm like, okay, let's get through all this noise to get to an ending. I know what's going to happen. Lulu, she (laughs) injects orange kryptonite into her brainstem and becomes a kaiju, as you said in your plot summary. I guess that was unexpected. I wasn't expecting a naked guinea pig with crystals coming out of it to be the main boss. But in every one of these, there's always a giant thing at the end. Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, whatever it is. Well, yeah, I know it's got to be big because I know Crypto's got to do that solar punch. Right, yeah, that terrible setup for that. And again, the idea that Crypto will die delivering it, it's some kind of sacrificing moment. Because Ace is invulnerable, we know that he won't actually have to pay with his life. I wasn't sure. Some cartoons will go there. They'll kill Bambi's mom. They'll kill Baby with the Secret of the Lost Legends. I did wonder. I'm like, oh, he's going to use that punch. Obviously, he's going to because they set it up. But they said if he uses it, he'll die. Are they going to cheat? Yes. Or are they going to kill him? Yeah, they always cheat. (laughs) Yes, they are going to cheat badly. Because all of these life lessons, again, the Pixar stuff is not good here. Pixar has a great way of making dramatic moments sting with tears and melancholy. And all of these kinds of things are fakes. They're just not working in this movie. It's also annoying to me that if the punch is supposed to kill both people, okay, Ace jumped in the way and saved Crypto, fine. But you didn't kill the Kaiju either with this super punch you had to fly to the sun to get i know you probably don't want to kill things in a cartoon but yet these are the stakes you set up i felt like the guinea pig deserved to die well sequels being what they are the fact that it fell into a hot dog vending machine yeah that felt very kids cartoon yeah by mid credits it's rescued by that mercy assistant and they're going to be the pair next time lexus in jail or trapped in some kind of mechanical device. I don't think there's going to be a sequel, so I'm not going to get too worked up about it. But no, I don't necessarily want to see more of those adventures. And Jacob, when jumping to the kaiju, you missed the big emotional moment. I mean, the true climax of this film is the moment where Crypto has to choose between saving Superman or saving Lois, because Lulu found a helicopter with Lois on it and is like, make your choice save your master or the woman he loves. I mean, that is, if you're looking at story arcs, this is the culmination of Crypto's arc. Yeah, I mean, I would expect Crypto to have to do something nice for Lois by the end. That is the storyline. Particularly since he fantasized about throwing her into the ocean. Yeah. So yes, he has to redeem from that, again, what I would call the darkest moment in this movie. (laughs) They have to show that he cares about her, but this is all contrived. There's no reason why you can't grab that chopper, set it down, and then fly up to that rocket, but whatever. Was Lois in a chopper because of Donner, too? Like, I feel like Lois gets in a <laughs> chopper, it's bad news. It didn't occur to me. It didn't feel like a Donner moment, but Lois hasn't been that important in this. But she becomes important to Clark now because Crypto's going to be like, I'm okay with it, and even present Superman with the ring to give to Lois to get engaged, and... Perhaps the funniest line in the entire movie comes from the turtle when she's like, get a prenup. (laughs) 
I mean, I guess. Maybe for the married folk, that's hilarious. I guess. <laughs> There's truth in that. Yes, for which one? Is it so Lois doesn't take half of the Fortress of Solitude? He owned that property before the marriage that is not community property. <laughs> yeah, they all get adopted here. And the strange one is, because I remember the Green Lantern movie, there were like raccoons and squirrels and all of that. There was a squirrel Green Lantern, yeah. Yeah, Chip or whatever. But like, they're acting like this is love, love, consummate, like she's dating him. That was a little weird. I took this as, because every pet was getting adopted, I took it as everybody's loving their new pet. Wonder Woman loves her pig, and Cyborg loves the flag. Yeah, I didn't take it as romantic love. You don't think so? There's a joke earlier where she said she used to date a raccoon. Yeah. Listen, I just don't want to go there. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Again, we could do Supergirl and the horse that loves her romantically. And I wonder if these filmmakers, these writers, these directors wouldn't be in firmer, solid ground if they could make more of those jokes. You feel like they tentatively floated many of them and were denied most. And so we get these odd little moments that, as Arnie points out, they're kind of semi-funny, but just don't feel like enough to be really... You wouldn't call this a satire, right? At the end of the day, this is not a superhero satire. No, not at all. I mean, it takes itself too seriously for satire. I mean, I would call Kick-Ass a satire, and it takes itself pretty seriously, especially by the end. And so here, you're definitely too far away from satire. Mm-hmm. But yes, even Batman, who works alone, can find Bat-Hound, who will lick his face by the very end of it. And you're right, maybe that would have been a fun movie. That could have been a more interesting take, as if we had actually seen them already established. Maybe the sequel will be better. I also like that Batman made sure that it was a licensed bat toy that was being chased. I want to see the movie where he takes legal action as Bruce Wayne to sue whoever <laughs> Clark Kent got that squeaky Bruce from. But he's got a squeaky Clark now. And then when the credits are going, you know, they always try to do something clever in these superhero movies. I found it amusing that, have you guys seen the pet shaming memes online where you take a picture of your dog and you put a sign with it? That says, like, I ate my mom's pillow and there's tough all around. I like that they did pet shaming videos. You got Crypto with a sign that says, I sent the neighbor's cat to the Phantom Zone. Is that why people were laughing at that? I couldn't for the life of me understand. But you have to understand, I see about two memes a year. <laughs> I, no, I didn't see those memes. I never see memes. Well, this one's pretty dated. I think this was a big thing, like, five to eight years ago. Which is 30 in meme years. It took me a second to realize what they were doing. Mm -hmm. But keep in mind, I've only seen 16 memes in the last eight years. <laughs> <laughs> There's more than 16 memes made like a second, Stuart. You're missing out on a lot. I do. I, I miss it. Maybe I'm missing out too. I know after Comic-Con or during Comic-Con, we got a bunch of new trailers. I saw Shazam one. I saw Black Adam one. Is Black Adam the next movie? Is that why he shows up? Because... If so, Black Adam better have a dog in that live-action movie. Maybe it was part of the agreement. Rock will give you a DC franchise, but you have to do the voice in this dog movie. Did The Rock do the voice of Black Adam in this, too? The Rock did the voice of Black Adam, of Black Adam's dog, and of Crypto, all <laughs> in the same scene. What a talented actor. This was not a contractual thing. He posted about it on Instagram. 
He said it was an idea he came up with after a few shots of tequila and thought it would be a fun capper. But it should have stayed there. <laughs> and it's not a direct tie-in to Black Adam. The Rock has been very open that he's excited to be Black Adam, and he wants to take on Superman. He wants to go toe-to-toe with Henry Cavill. And so this was a way of The Rock kind of getting his Superman moment, as well as getting his own Anubis super pet, But no, there will not be Anubis, as far as I know, in the Black Adam movie. Of course not. He signed on for Black Adam, and then he got stuck with this. (laughs) The only way it makes sense. Are you saying this is like community service? Did he get pulled over for drunk driving and ended up having to do this? (laughs) Well, I'm sure he's paid well. But yes, it does feel like something you do for your kid, or because it's only going to take five days, and you're going to make $10 million. So Jacob Stewart... Do you recommend DC, The League of Super Pets? Jacob. I mean, this film shocked me. I was so surprised because after Underdog, I'm like, it's a slam dunk. Anything's going to be better than that movie. (laughs) And look, I'm not trying to be a jerk to this one. I was surprised, shocked, mouth agape how not good this one is. I laughed a whole lot more. I had a whole lot more fun during Underdog. So maybe that is a brown arrow. Uh, You laughed at Underdog, not with it. Yes, I was laughing at it. This one, I chuckled at George Orwell reference. That was it. Animal Farm. That got me. And the rest of this just kind of confused me. Like, this is made for very small children. Because where are the 100 mile an hour jokes for the kids on the sugar rush? When I take my girls to see Teen Titans go to the movies or go see The Secret Life of Pets. Yeah, lots of jokes being thrown out. They're not always funny. Lego Batman, it's hard for me to like get through that whole thing because it is just so manic and so high energy, but at least there's a constant source of input coming into me to process. This one was hard to stay awake during. Like, put the dog to sleep, but it isn't going to put me to sleep. There's not enough jokes for it to be entertaining, I think, for anyone over seven or eight and up you gotta really love either pets or dc to want to see this as an adult i'll just put it that way again usually my standard like if you're stuck babysitting oh this would be hard because the child's got to be under seven to get through this one it's a real sleeper and not as a sleeper hit where it's going to become a big thing later on it's just a lack of jokes lack of just really anything interesting ugly animation that i didn't want to get into If I had to sit down with my girls, we're going to watch a cartoon that's not anime because they love anime. But anything else you hear about cartoons, they associate, oh, that's when we were kids. But I think if I put on The Secret Life of Pets or if there are a few like from their childhood that I could put on and they'd be into still. Not this one. This is for very small babies. So if you have a very small baby that you want to put something on the TV, sure. But I can't recommend this. It's a film that's not offensive and will pass 100 minutes. But that's about the biggest compliment I could give. Not recommend. Stewart. Yeah, it's neither mongrel nor purebred. And it should be one or the other, is what I would argue. Underdog was a real dog, and (laughs) I could laugh at it. And this is professional. There's nothing really to mock here. They did their job. They made this hook'em about a league of super pets that they set up the plot, they put something together. It's professional enough that you won't resent as an adult having to watch flying talking dogs. In the same way that Underdog was just such a travesty. But yeah, it's not Pixar. That's for sure. We know how good this stuff can be. We know how this kind of animation can wring real tears. 
And when they try here, I feel like that's the movie at its weakest. They shouldn't have. In the end, they should have gone for the bratty, Teen Titan, Lego Batman vibe. That would have made it a lot more fun and funny. Because it isn't enough of that, and because it is too much of a superhero movie, you really have this kind of dull... A dog that does no tricks. It's a dog. I like dogs, but I'm not going to give this one a pass. It's a mild not recommend. And I've already said, this is better than Underdog. I gave Underdog a pass. I was giving this a pass. And understand the bar by which I'm setting in that this is an affable movie that kept me engaged and I chuckled quite a few times, but I also found myself not liking large chunks of the movie. A large portion of the characters in the movie actively turned me off. And the pacing of this movie, it almost threatened to lose me by the time the plot kicked in. 40 minutes? You stuck with it for 40 minutes? Yeah. I mean, I was in a theater. I had no choice. Yeah, but mentally, I was out by that point. That's so crucial, too. We all had to sit there on a big screen and fully give ourselves to this. And that first 40 minutes, it was hard to do it, and I wasn't sure if I was going to or not, but it did pick up once the plot kicked in. The less there were humans other than Keanu, the better the movie was. It's fine. I don't love this movie. I'm not going to rewatch this movie. But it's fine if you like DC and you want some of these in-jokes. I think they're better than most Family Guy reference humor. No, no. Go watch Robot Chicken make jokes about DC. Much better. I got sick of Robot Chicken on year four. They they kept kept telling the same joke again and again and again. Here, at least I feel they're telling a different joke, even if it is a joke Robot Chicken might tell. It's in the same vein, but it's not the same exact joke. It's... An okay movie, you know? It's not the greatest, it's not the worst. If you like DC and just want something on that's gonna have a few chuckles, this is it. If you haven't seen Lego Batman, go watch that one instead. It's a much better film. But you can do worse than DC's League of Super Pets. Not jonesing for a sequel, but I can give this a weak recommend, sure. I think the difference between you and I is that for me, mediocre is a not recommend. And we both saw a very mediocre movie. The question for me is, does the mediocrity entertain me, or does it bore me? And that's where the differentiator is. I can red arrow mediocre that does not grip me in any way. This one kept my interest. Even when I felt it was slow, I didn't get bored by it, and that's why it's a recommend. And I bet it plays much better at home, where you can pause it, walk away from it, not give yourself so fully. Turn on your laptop, do some internet browsing. Right, exactly. Let me just say this. You're better off spending a night with your dog than you are spending a night with this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) British baking show, whatever you guys need to do together, yeah. Just hug your dog and make sure you put up a baby gate so that your dog doesn't get blamed for your bad parentage. (laughs) I would say hug your porcupine rather than watch this film. (laughs) Yes, any pet, hug them. Well, I don't think there'll be a sequel. I think we can let this one go. But we have more sequels in our future. Starting next week, we're actually a little behind on this, but they've made a fifth Predator movie. It's been out on Hulu, and we're ready to review it next Tuesday. Pray. I pray that it's at least better than the last couple. I don't think it's hard to make the best Predator sequel of all time. I really don't. I don't think that bar (laughs) is set too damn high. No. And it's direct to Hulu has me wondering, but 
there's good word of mouth so far. At least we know there won't be Jamaican gangs in this one. Do we know that? No. <laughs> Unless they rewrite American history, maybe. Which has been done. <laughs> They're putting predators in it, so it's already alt-history. <laughs> mm, is it, though? I'm a little bit encouraged that it's being made by the guy that made the best Cloverfield movie, so 10 Cloverfield Lane. That's a reason to have some hope that it could be better than you'd think a directed Hulu movie to be. So we will find out with that next week. And thank you for joining us. Before we go, I do want to tell you about a couple of deadlines. A couple of last chances to get some Now Playing. First of all, if you've been following the saga of the Now Playing book, Underrated Movies We Recommend, the books have arrived. They are going to be mailed out very soon. And this Friday, August 12th, is the last day to pre-order the book and get it signed by all four of us who wrote it. Jacob, Stuart, Marjorie, and me. Which is a lot, because I usually only do one potograph a day. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, because this Sunday I will actually be at your house, Arnie, and we're signing, I think, 800 or so copies. It's going to be a day. Hand cramps. Carpal (laughs) tunnel. Yeah, so this is your last chance to get in on that. It's also the 12th is the last chance to hear our spring-summer 2022 donation drives. That is going to be going into the vault. The price for individual episodes on Podbean goes up, and we will no longer be offering the bundles we're currently offering of reviews of the Twilight films, the Harry Potter films, the Tom Cruise retrospective, including Maverick, the Lord of the Rings films, the Jurassic Park films, All of that is going to no longer be available this Friday. So you can head to nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash book to pre-order that book and be one of the last people to get it signed. Head to nowplayingpodcast.com forward slash donate if you want to hear the bonus podcasts. And thank you for your support of our show. And Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. And until next time, good talk, pound it out. Thank you for listening to this Now Playing Podcast movie review. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You know what they say about dogs, don't you? Never feed us chocolate. We love unconditionally. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review podcast. All right, TV night with my bro. 
And in the NowPlayingPodcast.com archives, you can find reviews of other comic book films, such as Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, The Avengers, X-Men, The Punisher, and Fantastic Four. If it isn't the Justice League... You can also listen to our reviews of other movie series, including The Fast and the Furious, Mission Impossible, Star Trek, Terminator, Predator, and many more. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at nowplayingpodcast.com. Don't you want to get adopted and feel the warm embrace of a middle-aged person who lives alone? Support from listeners like you keeps Now Playing Podcast on the air. My best friend is in danger and you have to help me. You can donate directly by tapping the support button at nowplayingpodcast.com. What is taking my honor so long? And you can join our Podbean crowdfunding campaign for early access to new episodes, exclusive reviews, and bonus reviews available for a one-time contribution. Well, we're just a bunch of shelter pets. Now Playing is edited by Santiago and Arnie. Maybe I should let him sleep. Okay, now playing credit narration by Brock. Sorry, you were saying something? Now playing is not affiliated with DC Comics or Warner Brothers Pictures. DC Comics and all that the DC Universe contains are copyright and trademark Warner Brothers Entertainment and no infringement is intended. Excellent shielding, that seemed incredibly painful. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Enganza Media Incorporated. Of course, the Federation of Exes, not to be trusted. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2022, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. You win this round, lettuce. Until next time, good talk, pound it out. Good talk, pound it out. Miss you, love you, see you in heck. I have no idea which quotes are going to be available, so I did three end lines. <laughs>